right, welcome to episode number 69, yes, chuckle away, of the Canadian Prepper Podcast. We're recording on May the 24th, 2020. My name is Eric. I'm the host of the show based in Southern Ontario. I'm a hunter, target shooter, ham radio operator, and computer geek. Uh, as a first responder, I've witnessed an over-reliance on emergency services during major events. I started a small preparedness company to help people get prepared for at least 72 hours or longer. My name is Ian, and I live on Vancouver Island. I'm an outdoor enthusiast, sport shooter, and my farm's designated handyman. I'm Alan. I'm a safety trainer, first responder, security expert, and overall safety nerd. My name is Tyler. I live in Northwest Wisconsin. Uh, besides prepping, I also enjoy homesteading, metalworking, engines, guns, and the great outdoors. And if you want to help support the show and keep the Canadian Pepper Podcast on the air, buy a t-shirt at www.rapidsurvival.com. All proceeds help keep the lights on and the backup generator fueled, and they're darn snazzy. <laughs> they are indeed. If you're enjoying the show, please take a few minutes to like us on Facebook and submit a review on iTunes. Also, we want your feedback, good or bad, or even if it's just a topic you want us to cover. You can email us at feedback at prepperpodcast.ca. All right, so we've got some uh, broadcasted content for you in this episode. Uh, we're going to start off first with some uh, preparedness-related, uh, prepared, if I could talk tonight, news articles. Uh, next, we will let you know what we've done for our preparedness since our last episode. Then we're going to get into the main topic. We're going to be diving a little bit deeper in amateur or ham radio. So let's move into some news. I only put one uh, one article in here tonight. Um, one that I find a little bit disturbing. So the uh, the feds put out a fantastically wonderful loan program um, after they tanked the economy, drove small businesses into into destruction, which Trudeau had previously claimed were nothing but tax evasion for the super rich. Uh, he's now graciously willing to lend large amounts of cash to large businesses in exchange for equity in their companies. Maybe it's just my tinfoil hat, but it smacks of the basic dictatorship that he was so fond of in China. Um, to me, it seems a whole lot easier for liberals to control a few big companies that control most of the workers rather than a lot of small companies that control fewer workers. I don't think nationalization is anything new with communism, that's for sure. I mean, you can call it socialism or democratic socialism, but it's basically just boils down to the same thing, right? It's, uh, yeah, it's it's bad data. Don't give up your company to the government, please. If you're listening, well, don't. Bad idea. I did find it humorous the fact that you know basically if you bought from Walmart you were safe from the COVID, but if you bought from a small business it was like a huge danger. <laughs> so I, did, I thought it was oddly, oddly, uh, you know, incongruous there. But well, this was it. He, Trudeau said right when he first first elected that small business was was a tax haven for the for the rich, and that's where people went to not pay taxes, and so it was a bad thing to have small businesses operating in Canada. And now he's come up with a way to put small businesses out of business so that we're forced to deal with the Walmarts and Canadian tires and Sobeys of the world. And if we do, that's cool. The government in the, uh, the language that Moreau used was really interesting that the, the public should share in the fortune of the companies as they recover from this pandemic. That was really interesting. Hmm. Uh, I want those workers to control the means of production or something like that. I think there's a line in there somewhere about some famous book. <laughs> <laughs> anyway the only book i care about right now is 1984 <laughs> it's not meant to be an instruction manual it's meant to be a warning <laughs> <laughs> all right so for myself i skipped the news tonight just because basically like uh, alan mentioned huge shout out to Hughes. he had to do a uh, not just fight a, a big fire in the local neighborhood um 
as part of his first, first responder duties, but he, uh, his family was uh, awarded with a five minutes notice bug out. So we're hoping that if he comes on next week or when he can, he can, and can give us a big debrief as what went well and what, what didn't, because that's uh, very timely since we we're just talking about bug outs to not even what last episode or two episodes ago. Yeah, it was yeah. two episodes ago. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. it's uh, it's pretty, pretty big deal. So good for him. I hope he's yeah. doing well. Yeah. Hopefully everything's working out in his favor and they can get uh, the emergency situation under control we can hear about it next week. Some really cool pictures he sent us from uh, from the area, and I certainly hope, yeah, that it, yeah. it works out well for him. And um, I really hope that his uh, his plan worked as well as he thought it was going to. And yeah. um, looking forward to hearing more about it. So a lot of storage tubs to heave into that trailer. Yep. <laughs> Five minutes. Whoa. <laughs> anyway, uh, carry on. Yeah, so I, uh, I've got a news article here. I figured it uh, made sense to use this one um, in regards to the episode we've got going on tonight. But it's uh, titled, uh, Using Technology to Connect with Each Other is Old Hat for Ham Radio Operators. So uh, it just talks about how uh, ham operators are using the, uh, the radio frequencies to uh, stay connected, uh, keep informing each other what's going on, but uh, doing it with that whole social distance thing that everybody is doing with COVID right now. So it was uh, quite the timely article, Canadian-based, and... Uh, I thought it was just a good one to kind of start the episode out with. Yeah, uh, for me this week, uh, so the coronavirus pandemic has certainly caused some turbulence between uh, some of the major global powers. Uh, global trade and relations continue to degrade between some nations, namely China and the U.S., uh, with quite a few reports the past few weeks uh, stating that both sides are kind of preparing for possible armed conflict. Uh, so I came across three news articles just in the past week alone relating to uh Recent nuclear talk and activity um, probably doesn't help that I just started <laughs> watching Jericho on Netflix, uh, which is a great show, by the way. Um, but the current global tension certainly has got me a little on edge. Uh, so the first article I got is from the Washington Post. Um, on May 21st, the Trump administration announced its plans to withdraw from the Open Skies Treaty. Uh, the treaty was signed in 1992 following the collapse of the Soviet Union. Uh, this treaty includes Russia, the U.S., and the majority of the NATO allies. Uh, and this treaty allows its 34 members to engage in unarmed monitoring flights over the territory of other membering countries uh, using approved sensors to collect information on military deployments. Um, and the, the treaty's preamble explains that these flights are basically designed to improve openness and transparency, uh, facilitate the monitoring of compliance with existing or future arms control agreements, and to strengthen the capacity for conflict prevention and crisis management. So... Uh, a little unsettling that the U.S. wants to pull out of that, uh, especially given what's going on on the world stage. Uh, the second one I had was another article from the Washington Post. Um, the Trump administration has also discussed whether to conduct its first U.S. nuclear test since 1992. Uh, the matter reportedly came up at a May 15th meeting of senior officials representing the top national security agencies. Uh, senior administration officials said that the uh, demonstrating to Moscow and Beijing that the United States could, quote unquote, rapid test would prove useful from a negotiating standpoint, as Washington seeks a trilateral deal to regulate the arsenals of the larger nuclear powers. Uh, the, the meeting did not conclude any certain like specific date that they're going to start conducting testing. Uh, but one the uh, senior administration officials said that the propo proposal is very much an ongoing conversation. Um, and the final article I had in there was from uh, uh, Time Magazine. Um, so in the first public appearance in 20 days, North Korean leader Kim Jong-un convened a key military meeting to discuss bolstering the country's nuclear arsenal and putting its armed forces on high alert. 
Uh, North Korea's official news agency said Sunday that Kim led a meeting of the Central Military Commission of the Ruling Workers' Party. Set forth at the meeting were new policies for further increasing the nuclear war deterrence of the country and putting strategic armed forces on high alert operation. Um, so I think it's probably a combination of me watching Jericho on Netflix and uh, some <laughs> nuclear talk in the news, hopefully anyways. But uh, I don't know. It's got me a little worried, I guess. I thought yeah, it was that's, worth, a, uh, that's a lot up. of nuclear talk. Well, it is a lot of nuclear talk, and it's been uh, all kind of just in the last week. So, well, there's been a lot of shenanigans there. going on lately too. Like, I mean, uh, for example, like the local high school has a lot of foreign exchange students, and uh, a lot of them were told to get home and not to expect to come back to Canada for a few years. I'm like, yeah, well, that seems awfully odd wording. But anyway, um, the other interesting thing too is that I mean, with Venezuela having what the third largest reserves of oil in the world. For some reason, Iran feels obligated to send oil tankers to Venezuela right now, and the U.S. feels obligated to go intercept them. So, like, there's obviously some more stuff behind the scenes going on, and a lot of yeah. saber rattling. It seems uh, everything going on right now. Yeah, yep, and uh, certainly with the pandemic going on, uh, everything's everybody's on high alert already, and and everyone's kind of mad at each other for various <laughs> reasons. So, <laughs> well, China's mad at everybody, and Russia's kind of always mad, and North Korea wants to be mad, but nobody's really taking them seriously. Venezuela's kind of doing the same thing. Like, yeah, I think, uh, I think there are a lot of there are a lot of boxes being checked right now that that lead towards the fact that I'm thankful I'm too old to be drafted. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, exactly. I'm just way too old for that. But uh, I think it's definitely time for a Team America too. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's a requirement. Agreed. <clears throat> All right. Did we lose Ian? It's like he timed out. Like did. Yeah. But uh, that will move it's into what we've done lately for platform, anyways. Yeah, that is a good photo. <laughs> We're gonna have to put that one to use, I think. <laughs> All right. Let's move on to what we've done lately for preps. So. For myself, I uh, borrowed a log splitter and got a whole bunch of, got a bunch of trees fall the, the last year and two, and then had them all cut up and ready to, ready to go, but I hadn't split them, just let them sit and dry, so got uh, got them all cut up, and the, uh, the woodshed is full yet again, so that's good. Nice. Uh, some more yard cleanup, yeah, so the area that did have all the logs sitting in it and needed the, the last little bit of brush cleanup and raking and all that fun stuff, so the yard is uh, spotless now, and I got the garden planted. So all the little seedlings that we had started inside, we got them out and transplanted them into the garden. And uh, anything that we weren't going to, hey, Ian's back. Anything that we weren't going to uh, transplant, uh, we, we got into the ground. So the garden's set and ready to go. So Fantastic. Yeah. You can't have me miss my favorite part. Come on. I know. <laughs> we tried. <laughs> Shockingly short for you this weekend. <laughs> yeah, I, I've actually been slacking off quite a bit lately. i got to admit, it's, it's been delightful. But, um, yeah, so I guess for myself, uh, shearing day happened. It's just the big uh, once-a-year deal with the alpacas. So I had a couple friends show up, uh, and the professional shearing lady as well, and managed to, uh, it went off without a hitch. Nobody got injured. No animals got injured. Um, yeah, everything worked out well. I mean, as, as good as it's going to be. So it's always, a, it's a fun day because we get to kind of hang around, play, you know, professional farmer for the day, have a little barbecue afterwards. It was a pretty fun day. So uh, that's a full day taken care of one of the week. Uh, let's see here, I did a range date with the wife. Uh, so we wanted to hug our guns because you never know how much longer you know it'll be before we can't take them to the range anymore. Oh. So, uh, yeah, because I mean, they're banning more by the day, it seems. Uh, did my usual brass crown, uh, cleaned all that stuff up, and finally feel a little better about my 9mm supply. Let's see here. Uh, wood supply, started stacking it up in the woodsheds because I usually do that in September. And hey, let's get it done now while I have the COVID time off, right? 
Let's see here. Did some more CGN deals, kind of bought and sold a few more things. Uh, I had a bunch of shovels that were sitting there rusting out for the in the rain the last fall, like basically exposed to too much moist air. So I scraped them all down, painted them up, uh, made a little you know hanging organizational system, and then rehung them in a little dryer place. And uh, yeah, I had some massive egg sales. Cleaned out our egg fridge twice this week, which was pretty amazing. And I had one lady take seven dozen, which was huge. And wow. let's see here. I had three more chicken babies born today. That was good. And uh, one, I don't know if it's going to make it or not, but we'll see. But uh, I don't think we'll ever have a problem selling baby chickens this year, which is good. And yeah, that has been studying for my ham license, which I swear to, swear to God I'm going to get this year. <laughs> but that's this it. This time uh, I mean it. Yeah, this time I really, really, really oh. mean it. You'll get there. Yeah. Oh, uh, that, that's me. Um, most more of the same got uh, actually had a nice big fire last night. You got the rest of those trees taken care of that we dropped in April. Uh, finally got those down, and then uh, we're uh, we decided that we're going to knock down our knock down our garage, double the size, and uh, so we started doing a little bit of work for that. That's uh, that's probably going to be this uh, this year project. Hopefully, have it dried in before winter. And uh, like Ian did a little bit of ham study because I've been saying this for ten years now, and so time to. Go or get off the pot, right? Yep. Absolutely. Uh, and for me, since the last time I podcasted, uh, finally finished uh, basically clearing all my property lines. Um, finished cutting a lot of trees, taking some stumps out. So I went through and serviced my chainsaw. I went ahead and purchased a new bar. My old one was getting pretty wore out. Uh, I've had it for three years now, and I've cut three winters of wood on it and uh, all of that on the same three chains. And those are also wore down to nothing, so I went ahead and bought four brand new chains, as well as some chain guides, and uh, got that all serviced up. Um, cleared out a spot in the woods for my pig pen. I set up the pig pen fencing, the feeder, water, shelter, all that stuff, uh, and I'll be picking up my pigs here uh, in just a few days. It got delayed, unfortunately, but uh, been in communication with him, and I'll be picking them up this week. Um, I added two 12-foot steel tube gates across my driveway, um, so I was actually able to recycle all the materials for this from uh, my folks' place as they get ready to move, and uh, we had a little hobby farm there growing up. So I got two 12-foot gates and uh, sanded those down, repainted them, straightened them out a little bit, and I got some 6 by 6 posts. And uh, so for just the cost of concrete, I was able to kind of increase the security on the property. Uh, recycled two large, old, rusted-out livestock hay feeders. Uh, the first one I cut up into kind of a bunk or a slop feeder for the pigs, and then the top portion I cut up into some climbing structures for peas in the garden. And then the second feeder I cut into uh, two smaller hay feeders uh, for goats. And we're planning to get some goats here next year. So I uh, fixed an electrical issue in the shop. I actually found that the previous owner had uh, just a wire buried out to a tree about uh, 40 feet off of the shop. And uh, it had wore through and uh, was, was getting ground out by the rain. So I lost power to the shop for a few days and I couldn't figure out what was going on. Uh, and finally found a wire poking out of the ground outside and uh so i got that tied up and fixed that saved myself that's, a little little from the electrician <laughs> that's random yeah yeah i think uh, i think he used to be a carpenter and uh did all of his work out there so that's uh yeah incredibly odd how when we take over a house sometimes you find some really <sighs> random bubba wiring fixes yeah <laughs> tell me about it <laughs> hopefully that's the last one i find because i've already found a few others <laughs> um uh, went turkey hunting for the first time. That was fun. Uh, didn't uh, get to shoot at anything, but heard a lot of activity early in the morning when we first got out there, and uh, it was first time ever turkey hunting, so that was a lot of fun. I went with my uh, soon-to-be brother-in-law. 
got myself a new pair of Red Wing boots and uh, got those all waterproofed and ready to go. Working on breaking them in now. I put together a called blackout bucket. Uh, it's kind of a Faraday cage as well. Um, so I'll use this uh, in case of an EMP or something like that. But uh, also, if we get a long-term power outage, I've got everything I would need in there. Um, so I've got, uh, let's see, i got a 12-volt deep cycle battery, some portable USB battery banks, AA, AAA, 9-volt batteries, multiple charging cords and accessories. Uh, I've got a BioLite camp stove, as well as a BioLite solar charging station and light kit. I've got two LED headlamps, two LED flashlights. I've got a Baofeng, uh, like the 5-watt handheld radio in there, and I've also got a pair of Midland walkie-talkies. And uh, everything except for the 12-volt battery I actually purchased over the last three years with uh, credit card rewards points. So when nice. I first moved into my house here, I set up all of my uh, like electrical, um, my garbage, my phone and internet, all that I set, uh, set up to auto-pay with a credit card, and then I just pay that balance at the end of the month. Uh, so I don't lose any on interest, but I also get to collect the rewards points. So I've, uh, over the last three years alone, cashed in on quite a few hundred dollars of rewards points there. So if you're prepping on a budget, that's a good way to do it. Nice. Absolutely. Uh, and then, yeah, with the U.S. doing all their electrical, their uh, nuclear testing, it might be a good idea to step, step up your yeah, there. Exactly. Yep. That was my thinking. Um, and then just today, uh, I got nine large wooden pallets for free. They're five feet by 16 feet, and they're actually uh, they're from a roofing company. Uh, they get all of their, like, tin roofing and siding on these pallets, and they're just giving them away. Um, so I'm going to be able to use uh, – I'll use one for a portable animal shelter for pigs. I'm going to set up a few inside the barn for shelving and storing some things on. And then uh, the other ones I can just strip down uh, for framing and nesting boxes inside the chicken coop and any other projects I got going on, so – that's been the last couple of weeks for me. <clears throat> Sounds nice. like Tyler wins the prize this week. <laughs> I was just going to say, you beat me to it. Well, I've had two weeks <laughs> off, so that's my excuse. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> All right. Well, with that, how about we move into the main topic of the show? So I'll start off with some common questions that uh, I hear quite often in regards to ham radio. Um, and I'll use the term interchangeably, ham radio and amateur radio. Uh, it is technically amateur radio, uh, but you'll hear it referred to as ham radio all the time. Um, ham radio, basically just because everybody that's on it likes to ham it up. They like to chat a lot, so that's why it gets the nickname of ham radio. Uh, but technically, the, the proper name for it is amateur radio. Um, really, the, the number one question I, I get um, quite often is, you know, why get licensed? When uh, when shit hits the fan, I'll just I'll have my radio and I'll broadcast and Everything will be fine because there won't be any rules. Nothing applies at that point. Who cares about licensing? Yeah, sure. Uh, but the problem there is, like we've been preaching over and over and over, is know how to use your gear, know how to use it ahead of time. Because um, you're going to, A, you're going to have first transmission jitters, licensed or not. Probably more jitters if you're not licensed. Um, but you're going to want to know how to use your equipment. You're going to want to know how to use your gear. Well, so go out and grab a license. I think everybody's seen that movie where somebody goes, hello, hello, is anybody yeah. on here? <laughs> you know, and they don't know what the hell they're doing. So, yeah, it's a good yeah. idea to not only just uh, know the procedures, but be comfortable doing it. So it's just not a big deal. It's just, a, it's just another thing. It's like making a phone call, right? Exactly. Like, I remember my first time, and even working in emergency services, using a radio all the time. I'm comfortable transmitting on a radio. I'm comfortable using it. But my first time on the ham radio, I got the jitters again. I was nervous because you need to learn. The, it's like almost kind of like a a new language of how people communicate, how you initiate a contact and how to talk. And it's, it's nerve wracking. 
So no better time to practice that and get used to how to do it than when it's not the end of the world if you you mess up or you're not trying to get a really important message out there. You're just trying to say hello. And if it takes you five or 10 seconds to get the word hello out, whoopee-doo. Uh, and then you, you slowly get more comfortable with it and you get comfortable with operating. So that's uh, that's usually my reply to why I get licensed. Because well, why I think- not? I think you're absolutely right too. So you think about like whether it be nautical or aeronautical or CB radio, they've all got their little um, yep. catchphrases and procedures. They're slightly different from each other, and yep. so yeah, it's it's not a bad idea to just get kind of more comfy with it. And then you get a feel for what's in your area as well, um, so you kind of know where you like to operate, who's who on the airwaves, and and who you're talking to, and and kind of how to access things. So um, that's that's kind of why you get a license because why not you can get practice that way you get comfortable with it and you get to know your equipment and you get to know your operating uh, environment um why not is that my name isn't on yet another government list yeah fair enough the government list says you have a radio yeah i guess they I'm, could use that i'm on multiple lists already one more at this point you're yeah, on this podcast you're on a bunch of lists. if you're on, the, on, <laughs> on this podcast you're on patriot i mean you guys two lists right there i'm on i'm a pal holder that's another one yeah. i mean like yeah it's, it's yeah you know, what? you know i'm here you may as well really know i'm here that's yeah. right <laughs> uh, the other thing that i hear quite often is i'm only going to listen so i don't need a license i'm just going to listen yeah, sure. You, you could listen to the ham radio frequencies. Uh, the trick there, uh, and a lot of people don't realize this, and I didn't for the longest time either, is the Radio Communications Act actually prohibits the, the uh, possession of a transceiver by anyone, but then exempts license holders. So if you have your ham ra- radio license, you're exempt from having that transceiver for certain frequencies. Um, so if you actually are in possession of a ham radio that can um, transmit, yeah, it's actually an offense against the uh, Radio Communications Act. So okay. if you are going to do the I'm only going to listen thing, then get something that can't transmit. Well, it's the same thing as uh, firearms. Like, that's the way Canadian law basically works. It's like they yeah. make everything absolutely illegal, but you get a get-or-jail-free card by being licensed. And uh, yeah. it's kind of sad, but that's just the way it is. It's just the way, yep. It's, you can rent an funny. exemption from that rule. Yeah, yep. you can buy your freedoms back for a price. Yeah. And we'll get into the price of uh, getting a ham license a little ways down in the show notes here. You'll probably be surprised, I think. Uh, So speaking of license, so that we've gotten over the whole I'm just going to broadcast and shit, it's the fan thing, and I'm only going to listen. Let's get into what's actually involved in getting your ham license. Uh, Keeping in mind, this is all based on Canada. Um, U.S. will have some different standards for getting their licenses, and other international uh, countries obviously will have their different ways of getting licenses as well. Um, The testing, I believe, is fairly similar some some differences here and there of course for regulatory purposes but uh, i'm going to be speaking directly to what's required for um, ham radio licensing in canada and it's across the country there's no differences whatever province you're in it's the exact same setup um, across the nation so um, first there's a couple of different ways you can do it Uh, in-person classes you can take some classes usually the best spot to uh, make contact there is your local ham radio club uh, so contact them, you know, quick Google search for your area and ham radio club will come up with a club in your area. Um, flip them an email. Most of them will post a phone number as well. Give them a call if you want and just say, I'm, I'm interested a lot. We'll also on their webpage post when they're holding their classes. Obviously right now, those are kind of put off. Um, they're not going to be any in cl- in-person classes, but once, uh, this whole COVID thing finally, hopefully disappears and classes start up again, that's an option for you. Um, 
in this uh, environment with COVID and the whole social distance thing that's happening right now, um, the Radio Amateurs of Canada, uh, or RAC, has uh, online courses available. They fill up lightning fast. Uh, so keep an eye on their website. They do post uh, the online courses. They do the basic amateur course for no cost. Um, you can just sign up. It's all based, I believe they do it via Zoom. Uh, so they are still scheduled um, during certain times of the week. Uh, they run for, I believe it's about two months and uh, they're all online um, taught by instructors that would normally teach in class, but instead they've done it digitally. So you can, you can do it from home. Uh, the only big complaint I've heard from a lot of people there is a lot of people are, if they are still working, they're doing shifts. They can't make the time either because of work or because of family commitments. And they just can't dedicate that couple hours a night um, once a week for a few months uh, to do it. Um, so maybe there's some other options about uh, doing a not so much um, dedicated time course, but um, just an on-demand course, but they haven't done that yet. It's still all dedicated time, live instruction. Uh, another option, if that live instruction thing doesn't work, either in class or digitally because of your schedule, self-study. Uh, that's the route I went. Um, working in emergency services, I couldn't dedicate that uh, couple hours every week because my shifts were all over the place. So I went the self-study route. Um, you can go to Coax Publications. If you Google them, they're a Canadian company. They actually publish um, a ham radio, so they are uh, a basic ham radio course book and an advanced ham radio course book. Uh, good book, lots of good information, goes well beyond what you would need for the exam, but it's good stuff to know. Uh, they also have a resources section as well on their website, so you can log in and do all kinds of tests and practicals and, and gain all kinds of extra information outside of the book. Um, so self-study is certainly a, a way to do it. And uh, if you can dedicate the time and you're able to learn uh, by reading the book and, and just practicing on your own, uh, it's a great, uh, great option. Then well, the... Uh, I was yep. going to say that also there's uh, the option of going to Industry Canada's website, which is now called Innovation Science and Technology Canada or something like that. And uh, basically, they'll actually provide you with the entire question bank of what's going to be on the exam. And it's they just certainly like will. 600 questions or something like that, or like 400 yeah, questions. 550, I think. Yeah, yeah. and then uh, basically with the correct answers right there. And yep. uh, so you can actually, if you really want to study all 500 questions, you can do that and brute force your way through the, the yep. exam that way. Yeah, I read over um, countless night shifts just going over that uh, that PDF. And why not, right? If, if they're going to hand you the questions and the answers, you can commit some of the memory. Because if you're like me, when you go in to do a test, you draw a blank yeah. of everything you've read. And so. on that note, I did actually take that uh, document and highlight all the correct answers, which yep. probably took me about three or four hours. So if anybody wants to copy, just email me because <laughs> it's, it's, it's a government document. It's not, it's not. Uh, yep. Uh, yeah. And they will also, I've got it in my tips and tricks section later on down in the show notes, but they have an exam generator as well. So you can actually just go to the website and it's in the show notes here, hit generate uh, practice exam. And it will generate an exam, a uh, hundred questions, exactly what you're going to get on your basic license. And you can go through and just do it. And then it'll tell you kind of where you sit, uh, how you're scoring, uh, where your weaknesses are, and then you can kind of focus on that. Um, the Coax publications as well in their back end on their website, they've got the exact same kind of setup and they'll pinpoint where your weaknesses are and what sections or what chapters in the book to focus on that you're not quite grasping yet or you're not, uh, you're not getting 100%. So you can go back and restudy. So there's lots of great tools available to you. Nice. What's uh, what's the threshold for passing? I guess what's a passing score? Uh, so there's two uh, two scores here in Canada. Uh, the first, I believe it's sixty between sixty and eighty percent, gets you uh, your basic qualification, and then anything above eighty percent gets you uh, your basic with honors. Um, okay. So basic uh, is you get uh, you can still transmit, you can still operate, 
but you don't get HF frequencies. So you'd have to retest to get the HF frequencies. Um, if you get with honors, then that opens up the whole spectrum for you. So you can do um, HF and then you can do your other um, frequencies as well. Uh, and there's a power limitation um, to the basic. And then if you go through and you do your advanced, you get a little bit more power output. Okay. And I think there, is there two different licenses? There's like an instructor's license as well. Is that, is that a different uh, test that you take then? Yeah, so the the first test is the basic. So you have to do that one first. Um, that's the one where I talked about doing either um, just the basic or with honors. Okay. After you've done that, then you can go and you can write your advanced. So if you write your advanced test, I believe that's 50 question uh, examination. At that point, if you pass that exam, then you can apply to be an instructor. Okay. Or you can, sorry, you can apply to be an examiner. Uh, at that point, they will appoint you as an examiner if you're approved. And then you can go and you can start to examine um, other candidates. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. So it's a fairly simplistic system from the from the sounds of it. As long as you've got the accreditation and you put your name in the hat, they'll let you start doing the examinations, which is just mm-hmm. nice. Uh, so uh, another thing with doing the tests, uh, like I mentioned, for myself when I go and I do a test, I always get the jitters and you know draw the blanks and. You know, sweat the bullets and go, oh, geez, and if I, uh, if I fail, what happens, right? Um, so you can rewrite the test as many times as you want. So that's, that's a nice bonus. Uh, there's no cool-off period. There's no, uh, sorry, you failed. You're going to have to come back and rewrite in a month. Or, hey, you know what, your first time you can rewrite now, and then your next time you have to wait a month, there's no delay. You can go and you can rewrite again. It's all just dependent on what your examiner will allow you to do, if they'll let you retest that day or if uh, they want to wait a couple days it's really up to their schedule. Uh, but yeah, you can retest as many times as you want, or if you test and you don't get um, with honors and you wanted honors, you can retest again and, and test out to get your honors uh, and get access to the HF frequencies. Um, now the cost, this, this part I get a little bit of a chuckle out of. So if you go to an Industry Canada or whatever their new name is now, Innovation Sciences and whatever the long title is, uh, and you test with them, there's a $20 fee. So you're paying that 20 bucks. If you go to a local examiner, they're not allowed to charge that $20. But they are allowed to charge uh, reasonable fees to recoup any costs they may have. So if they have to print out the exam using their own paper and and ink from their printer, they're allowed to recoup that cost. I haven't really seen any examiners in this area that that charge. They just, they offer to meet you at the local library or or wherever you write the test and, you know, bring them a coffee, right? And that's, uh, that's good enough. So... You want to go see the government, write your exam, you got to pay them. You want to go see the local ham guy, make a friend, and uh, get some connections in the uh, the ham radio community in your area, cost you a coffee. So. Nothing nothing works quite like, quite like the government that way, right? Yep. Oh, exactly. Uh, now the big one, the uses in preparedness. So you've gone through, you've done all the studying, you've done the hard work, you've gotten through the 100 question multiple choice uh, examination, and uh, congratulations, you've got your ham radio uh, ID, you're good to go. Um, you know, I'll touch on that quick too, your, your ID. So once you do get um, your accreditation, you have to pick a, an ID. So you can either just say, give me whatever random call ID you want, and I'll touch on different call IDs later on um, down the down the show notes here, but... Or you can go through, you can look at the list and you can pick out an ID that you want. Um, so it's all, it's up to you. Um, they will start out with three, uh, three letters that uh, denote what province you're in. 
And then the, the following three are unique to your operating station. So they're unique to you. Um, so you can pick out those three unique ones if you want, or just say, throw me a random one that's available. Uh, the list of available uh, call IDs is also published. So keep that in mind. If you're going to go write your exam, you're going to want to know what call ID you want if you do pass the exam, uh, because they will ask you as soon as you pass, okay, fill out this paperwork and it'll say what call ID do you want, or do you just want a random one? Um, so be ready for that. And I read that if you, um, the only way that you can get a previously assigned ID is that somebody has to either will it to you or it's, or it stays in, unavailable for a hundred years after their death. Oh, I don't interesting. Know how accurate that is, but I, that's what I was, I was reading that when I was doing my study a couple of weeks back. Ah, interesting. Yeah. I didn't know how the assignments of, uh, of names went or of IDs went. I know there's a ton of them on the list, but I wasn't quite sure how they got recycled. So interesting. <laughs> Yeah, I'm. I'm gonna make a um, make a stab at getting my my grandpa's ID when when he uh, when I do write my test. And um, what I was told is that I have to produce his death certificate. I have to produce a fair bit of documentation, and then I can uh, I can make a petition, and they may or may not assign it to me. Nice. Huh, good to know. Right, so, oh, now I've lost my sh- my spot in the show notes. <laughs> Ah, here we are. So uh, we're getting to uses and preparedness. Uh, so, of course, communications is huge, right? Without communications, your team falls apart. Nothing happens. Uh, if uh, a member of your family or a member of your group has to, to go out from your, your current location, being able to communicate with them is huge, whether good times or bad, right? Uh, so with that, ham radio kind of it, it expands your ability to communicate uh, globally. If uh, if it gets to that point, if you need to communicate globally, you can. Uh, but even here, like um, our local repeater, our two meter repeater, covers uh, about 160 kilometers of area. So it's uh, it's a lot of area. That uh, as long as I've got a good strong uh, radio or I've got a good strong signal coming from the repeaters, I can hear what's going on. Uh, it's uh, one of the main uh, towers in this area is pretty high up, so that's why it reaches so far. Uh, and they're interconnected as well, which is nice. So um, the, the repeater here is connected to the one down the road, which is connected to the one down the road, so they just keep repeating signal. Um, and, now, and that repeater relies on, relies on an external power source, right? Like it has to have yeah. a generator running to keep it operational if the power grid goes down? Correct, yeah. So they are powered. Um, a lot of them do have, um, some of them will have internet uh, connections for certain functions. Some will have um, uh, computer systems hooked up to them. Most of them have computers hooked up to them to, to maintain them from running for, for operation, operational purposes. So yeah, absolutely power is required. So they will have some sort of backup. Usually they're on towers too that operate different things. So it's not just uh, ham radio. There'll be television, there'll be uh, cellular uh, antennas as well. So they will be well prepared to, to run for a little while without power. But yeah, certainly if the power goes down for a significant period, so do your repeaters. Is there any regulation as to like how frequent those repeaters are within the country or is it, are they all privately owned and they're just randomly whoever owns them or? Yeah, so for the most part uh, in this area, they're run by the local uh, ham club. So they have sponsored, um, to have a, a repeater installed and set up. If you have uh, your advanced ham operator license here in Canada, then you, you can set up your own repeater if you want. Okay. Um, you can you still have to apply to the government and get permission to actually have it operate. Uh, but if you do uh, if you do have your advanced and you, for whatever reason you do want to have a repeater set up, then you can apply to have a repeater ID assigned 
and you can set one up. But most times you're going to see uh, the club set them up and they'll set them up in certain areas that work for the club to get the, the signals propagated throughout the club's area. Okay. And then typically how close would you need to be to a repeater in order to, to connect with it or whatever? Let's say you're just using like your regular, you know, five watt Baofeng handheld that probably everybody has. Um, how far out can you transmit with that or receive, I guess? Yeah. So it's line of sight. Okay. Uh, so as long as, and remember the, the line of sight isn't necessarily the human line of sight because uh, there's the curvature of the earth, mm-hmm. uh, but it's line of sight of the antenna and um, of the radio that you're using. So as long as, uh, your antenna can kind of see the tower then uh, and there's a little bit of propagation there too uh, but you're going to be able to to transmit so it's it's really it's all dependent on kind of the environment you're working on okay uh, this like right here i can hit a repeater that's like the closest one here i can hit is about 15 kilometers away okay so basically the good strong of, signal rule of thumb is uh take the square root of your altitude above ground for your uh antenna and times it by 1.23 and you'll get the uh, range in in well, nautical miles of, of the antenna for VHF. Okay. There you go. And how, I guess, how impactful are, like you said, line of sight, let's say you're pretty densely covered by woods. Like, I guess I've got dense woods all around me. Is that going to get up above the trees or do I need to get an antenna to get up above those? Basically, if you yeah. think the top of the trees is ground level for you. <laughs> so it's, you have to get that antenna above those that, that ground level of the trees and then you'll be on your way. The okay. higher the antenna, the better. Gotcha. Yeah. Let's see what else here. So, um, as well as being able to be connected with uh, family members and team members in, in good times and bad, um, kind of a fun part with uh, with the hobby is the worldwide communication portion. So, yeah, the local communication is fun, and you get to meet some interesting people and, and get chatting about some fun stuff at the local area. Uh, but when you get into the worldwide communications, it uh, it opens up a whole other window, uh, and it's just kind of neat to to hear little tidbits from uh, from the other side of the world as to what's happening or what's what's going on. Uh, there's two ways to do that. You can do that with HF, which is basically bouncing the signal off the, ion, off the ionosphere, and it eventually propagates around uh, and gets to different areas of the world. Uh, but depending on the time of year uh, and, and different things going on with the environment depends on how well you can actually send that signal out and what you're going to receive. Um, so certain times of the day, certain uh, frequencies are closed. They're just not going to operate. Certain times of the evening, other uh, other frequencies open and some close. So uh, this is where getting getting acquainted with your local ham radio club really helps out because the people that are there are going to know what's going to work well in your area and what's not and uh, how to best tune your radio for, for certain frequencies and, and certain setups. Uh, the other option, and I've talked about it a couple of times on the show, is a DMR. So that's a digital type of uh, radio. Uh, got one here. I think I've shown it a few times before as well. This is my little TYT. It's a little DMR radio. And there is, I'm lucky that I've got um, the radio club here in town actually has a DMR repeater. Uh, it's set up on the Brandmeister uh, network. So what I can do is there's all kinds of different um, talk groups assigned to that. Uh, it's a digital mode. And uh, yes, it cheats a little bit. It uses the internet to propagate uh, out around the world. So it doesn't go radio, like repeater to repeater to repeater. Uh, the radio transmits to the repeater here in town. And then it takes that signal and shoots it across the world um, via the internet. But then it pops back out at another radio, which then transmits the signal. So, uh, you're never actually using a computer to talk into uh, to send the signal. It's always a radio of some sort, but then it's sent across the internet and then rebroadcast out around the world. 
Um, so it's uh, it's a neat little system. Uh, this little TYT that I have has modified software on it. So whenever anybody uh, keys up on it and starts to talk, it gives me their first name, last name, if they've provided it in the database, and uh, their location. So sometimes I get right down to the city, uh, province, and um, uh, like uh, city and province is where they're located. Sometimes it'll only go to province. Sometimes it'll go to country, depending on what they've put in the database or what database you're running. Um, so it's kind of neat to just sit around and have that thing going. And you can see as the day progresses, different areas of the world are either asleep or just waking up. So you get different areas starting to talk. Um, and it's just kind of neat. It's a neat way to, to have that kind of communication. Um, but again, keeping in mind that it, it relies heavily on the internet to, to get those signals around. Um, so if you lose your internet, um, like we say if there's a massive power outage, EMP or something like that, this system is simply not going to work. Um, HF would be your, your system that's going to go, um, assuming you've got a device that, that isn't impacted by it or you've got some power to run your radio. So your your most secure or your most um, reliable method is going to be your own, uh, your own antenna slash your own repeater that you power yourself that you can communicate with your people that way, but it would be fairly close. You wouldn't be able to get yeah. a huge, huge uh, transmission radius. Is that right? Well, depending on how crazy you want to get with the hobby, I've seen some guys with massive towers in their backyards, uh, and they can push a signal an incredibly far far distance. Um, if you've got the money and resources and you want to do that, have at it. Um, it it's really depends on how far you want to go with the hobby. So if you want to get your, your advanced license and, and put a tower up, you can transmit for lots and lots of space. My grandpa had a 60-foot tower in his backyard. I remember that as I was, when I was a kid. I got about halfway up. I climbed it before somebody <laughs> caught me and hauled me down. But nice. um, Oh, my, my neighbor's got one just two doors down, and I'm hoping one day if he ever gets out of it, I'll be like, hey, uh, selling yeah. that antenna? <laughs> yeah, I want to get rid of that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I watch Kijiji every once in a while. There's the odd person that uh, will post an old uh, TV antenna or ham radio antenna, and I'm, I'm watching. I haven't gotten that far yet, but I'd, I'd like to at some point. Uh, I have to find a weekend that uh, my wife goes away. That's uh, it's like it's up between our houses, so I'm I'm hoping that's going to be my easiest way to get in once I actually have my license because it's you know directly on the other side of the wall from where I'm sitting right now, and it it would be super convenient. Yep, that would be good. Uh, another benefit to uh, to ham radio, and I saw this even just today. Uh, my area here in uh, in central Ontario. Uh, we've had some some tornado watches. We've had um, some thunderstorm watches and warnings. Uh, and I was actually just driving to Costco to grab some things. And uh, the can warn system kicked in on the ham radio frequency. And all that is is a group of volunteers. Uh, and they report severe weather in the area. So they'll report it to uh, weather services. But they'll also hop on the local repeaters and they'll broadcast out, hey, just a heads up for the operators in the area. There's a severe thunderstorm warning uh, in effect currently in the area within this broadcast uh, or that this tower has broadcast range in. Um, so it's kind of neat to just they'll just hop on and say, hey, this is happening right now. Any, uh, any um, operators on, just FYI. Um, and they also will provide what's called a ground truthing back to um, weather services to say, hey, you know, what your radar is showing is actually happening here right now. Uh, we are seeing it. It is happening. We're letting people know that it's happening. Um, so that's that's kind of a neat service. Uh, and as well, if your local repeater has it built in, um, the ones here do, 
they will patch in with the, uh, the weather repeaters that are run by the Canadian government and they will start broadcasting warnings. So we had a severe thunderstorm warning about an hour or so prior to us actually going live here. I had the, the radio on just monitoring the, the frequencies and it flipped over, did the emergency tone and then said, just a heads up, anybody within broadcast range of this tower, uh, currently there is an emergency or there's a, a, a severe thunderstorm watch in effect or a, a thunderstorm warning in effect. Um, just be prepared that um, it's coming through. And then of course it repeats in French. Uh, then it cuts off and it goes back to normal operations. But it's just kind of a nice little early warning system um, to let you know that something's coming or something's something's coming that uh, that's not normal or that you should be watching out for. So, and that can be used for all kinds of things. It's not just weather related. If there's other major events happening, they will flip it over and, and put a warning out on it. So, and another thing, another question actually that um, a lot of people will, will ask is if they can use their ham radio when they're traveling. Uh, great question. Because if, uh, if you are able to travel um, overseas or within USA, uh, and you want to use your, your ham radio, you want to bring it with you, why not? Uh, with Canada, uh, Canada and the USA do have an agreement with each other. Um, your license is valid uh, if you have a Canadian license in the U.S. And same, if you have a U.S. license, it's valid in Canada. Uh, there are some restrictions uh, and some identification requirements. So Canadian operators, if you're in the U.S., uh, there's a certain way that you have to identify yourself uh, when you're down there, when you're broadcasting. Um, I haven't looked into it exactly as to what the requirement is. Because I haven't traveled with my radio, but um, there's there's a certain thing you have to add to your call sign um, before you continue broadcasting, um, and vice versa for the U.S. Um, coming to Canada, you do get some things you have to do if you are going to come here. But the licensing does transfer, um, so that's that's nice to know. If you're going to Europe, uh, you need to obtain a CEPT permit. Uh, I had to do some digging to figure out what the heck that stood for. Um, so apparently it is the European Conference of Postal and Telecommunications Administrators. Um, so from what I could see there, it's uh, a matter of if our certification does um, work out to be the kind of the same requirements as what they have there, then your your certification is valid. If there is no CEPT for the, the country within Europe that you're visiting, then you need to contact their local administration office first and seek permission. Um, and then uh, you're able to, to bring your radio and transmit at that point. And I'm moving to some tips and resources. Uh, like I said, every province does have its own um, three-digit uh, designation first. So that comes in handy if, uh, if you're listening uh, and all of a sudden, uh, a different call sign comes on the air, which can happen. Uh, you can get um, different radio or different repeaters can be interlinked with uh, others via the internet. So you can, uh, the repeater in this area, you can dial up a number, look at a data database and link it to a repeater in, say, BC. And you can start transmitting in BC. So myself and Ian could be talking to each other via radio. Uh, again, it cheats a little bit and uses the internet to make that connection between repeaters. But in good times, why not? Um, so the odd time you'll have somebody from another province hop on to one of your local repeaters. Um, so knowing what they are is, is pretty handy. So uh, you've got like V VE1 and VA1 for Nova Scotia, VE2 and VA2 for Quebec, uh, VE3 and VA3 for Ontario, uh, VE4, VA4 for Manitoba, and it keeps going uh, like that, uh, Saskatchewan, Alberta, BC, etc. cetera. Uh, so it's just kind of good to know what those are uh, if you do have somebody 
uh, chatting with you. Uh, are there, do you know, are there similar designations for each state within the states? I, I, I don't know myself. Um, yeah, you know what? I haven't, uh, I haven't been able to figure out exactly how the U.S. call signs work. Some guys I talk to, I hear long call signs from. Some I hear short. Um, I think okay. that there's got to be some kind of rhyme and reason as to what the, the different uh, call signs mean. Mm-hmm. Um, it might fall within their, their class or designation of certification, but uh, okay. I, I haven't really looked it up yet, so I'm not sure. Yeah, I got that repeater right across from uh, the bay from my house here. So yeah, one of these days when I do get that license, we'll have to give that a dry arc for sure. Yeah, it'll be fun. Now, you've got VE0 for international waters listed yep. in the show notes here. What I yeah. mean, if it's international waters, is it Canadian broadcasting? How does that yes. work? So that if that's a Canadian ship, that um, the ham radio station is permanently installed in that ship and it's going to be traveling in international waters, then it will, it will identify itself as VE0. Because the uh, the guys with general maritime radio certificates get an automatic pass for the ham radio license. Oh, well, I should look into that because I had my maritime license at one point. Oh, should, there you oh. go. Oh, <laughs> you might not have to do a test. Find a copy of that. Yeah. Yeah. No. Uh, no. No test for you required then, basically, because uh, for me it's like I even though I have other radio licenses, I can't transfer them over. So. Government anyway. restricted yeah. radio maritime. I had restricted radio maritime and land at one point. So oh, it has to be a general maritime, I think. So you general can't, maritime. Okay, yeah. mm, that won't work then. Okay, interesting. Yeah. Back to the exam generator. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so some uh, some good resources. I've I've put a couple of links here in the show notes. Uh, Coax Publications for sure is going to be one for for everybody to head over to. Even if you are doing the online course or you're doing a an in person course at a local ham club majority of them are going to use that book as their teaching book. So that's a good one to have a look at. Um, their website is a little bit dated as far as how it operates. So it takes a little bit of time to figure out how to, to work it, but um, it, it'll, it'll feel a little old school, but uh, anytime I've ordered a book, it has shown up. So don't let that sketch out too much. They are legitimate. They are going to send you the book. Um, and uh, it's a good, it's a good resource. I believe they're up to their ninth edition now. Um, so it's, uh, it's a good one to check out. Uh, I've put a link here to a YouTube video for antenna fundamentals and uh, just talks about propagation uh, because an- antennas are magic. You will set them up exactly how the textbook says and they won't work. And then you'll throw one together one day and just chuck it over the, the fence and kind of put a half, half-assed pole up and all of a sudden you'll be talking to China. So, yeah. Yeah, we Watch got another... Facebook comment from Steve that says the repeater book smartphone app is a really great for finding uh, local repeaters as well. Steve, Steve, you're getting, you're getting ahead. Yeah. You're stealing my thunder, man. Yeah. <laughs> ah. <laughs> well, that's it. End of the show, I guess. Right. <laughs> He's so right. The- that, that app is amazing. I use that app all the time. Uh, it will go, it'll use your phone's uh, GPS location. So uh, anybody with your tinfoil hat and GPS and phones, um, just don't listen for a second. Uh, it will take the GPS point on your phone and it will say, um, here's where you are and here's all the repeaters in your general area. And it'll give you the, the uh, frequency to program into your radio. And if there's any uh, tones that you need to use as well to gain access to the repeater, if they're published, uh, it'll tell you what tones to put in. And it's shocking so, how many are in your area without even realizing, like I turned it on, that, that app in Richmond or uh, in Vancouver. Yep. And I was like, whoa, there's like 30 and yeah. uh, you know, like, and basically they're all bouncing off the valley wall, so they got the antennas up on the high on the ridge. So I mean, they're yeah. gonna get incredible range, like, because uh, yeah. it's just so much a height above ground compared to where you are. 
Uh, I use that app all the time as I'm traveling around for work because uh, sometimes I'm driving for six, seven hours. So I'll just use that app uh, and I'll find the repeaters in the area and I'll just plug into them. And it's great because you'll get local operators in the area who, A, don't recognize your call sign. So they'll ask you where you're from. You mention where you're from and they'll say, okay, well, as you're traveling through, you know, there's a roadblock here or this is happening there or, hey, just a heads up. We've, we've got some, you know, some some weather warnings in the area. But um, most of the time I'll get an operator that'll give me a whole bunch of tips. They'll even mention good spots to go eat. So it's kind of handy that way. The insider scoop, right? Oh, yeah. It's great. And uh, and it's, it's to the point now where there's certain areas when I cruise through now, they know that I'm cruising through. And uh, they'll just say hello and they pick up the call ID and just say, hey, what's going on? Nice. So it's, uh, it's neat that way. Uh, I got another one in here, another uh, just antenna basics uh, YouTube video to watch, um, which would be helpful, uh, helpful for the, the exam as well, because I'll ask you some basic questions about antennas and the answer is not their magic. That's just reality as they are, but on the exam, don't answer magic. There, there is some theory behind it. My guyver uh, would know how to do yeah. it. Magic. Yeah, <laughs> paper clip and a wire. We're done. So on, on the subject of antennas, is there a certain style or, or type of antenna you need, or can you use like an old dish satellite TV antenna or like the old wire yeah. cable TV antennas? Yeah, so for uh, like the uh, 70 centimeter and two meter bands that I use here most often, I've just got uh, like a vertical antenna. Okay. Uh, nothing crazy. Just uh, It actually just sits in the room here with me right now by the window. I've got to get it outside at some point. Uh, I've been saying that for a couple of years. It'll it'll get out there eventually. It was there um, like when I was first there, what over a year ago. That. Yeah, it, it hasn't moved. Yeah, <laughs> it's, still, it's still there. Yeah, I think actually, I was talking about getting outside then too. Uh, on that subject, actually, since it's kind of timely, uh, is there a problem with running it up a tree with radio like RF energy going up a tree, uh, and then being like a heat generation or anything else, or is it just can you actually use a tree trunk as a way to raise your antenna? Yeah, I would put some standoffs on. It's yeah. it's still going to be putting some voltage through. Yeah. Um, there's always the danger there, but it, it's yeah. I'd, I'd put some some standoffs. I wouldn't tie it directly to the tree because as well, if you're going to put a, a wire antenna up, you're going to want to have some play because the, the tree is going to be swaying. So you're going to oh. want some way to because if not, if you're just tying the wire directly to the tree, you're going to snap it. And begging for a lightning strike too, but that too, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so I, I wouldn't tie it directly to the tree. I'd, uh, I'd have some standoffs at the end of it and, uh, and have a pulley or some sort of system that allows some sway in it because if not, you're going to be pulling it, you're going to be snapping it pretty quick. So. Uh, another link I've got here is the actual exam generator. So uh, if you don't want to go all the way through to the bottom of the show notes, you can just put in the Google um, Canada Ham Operator Exam and it'll come up. Uh, and that is the actual question bank, and that is the actual questions that you will be getting. Um, like uh, like we said at the beginning, it's about five five to six hundred questions. So your chances, unless you got a photographic memory of memorizing absolutely all of them, slim to none. But it is a great tool to go to to kind of figure out how you're doing and what your knowledge level is at. So definitely check out the exam generator. And if you don't want to use the uh, the or the industry site, there's a app called Ham Basic that will do yep. the exam generator for you as well. Yeah, it's just an app that's taken the database because uh, they make the database available to you of all the questions, and then yep. it just rotates the questions through, and it's on your phone so it can travel with you. Yep. Yeah. Well, you've got a, a list of questions here, Ian. You want to run through those? Yeah. Uh, Chad, are you got anything you want to add there as well? Oh, no. I, I had a few links just for uh, that I came across researching, but nothing relevant. So. 
Okay, I'll put those in the notes as well. Uh, so yeah, we mentioned the uh, the apps there. So I got uh, Repeater Book. Uh, we talked about that. Echo Link. I think you mentioned Eric. Was that one as well? Yeah, yeah. So Echo Link. Uh, once you do get uh, get through all the testing and you do get your uh, radio ID or your call sign, you can download Echo Link. Uh, that is another uh, internet based uh, transmission um, thing. Uh, so what you can do is it actually take, turns your phone into a little uh, transmitter. So if uh, a repeater in the area or any repeater you want really around the world, if it's connected, you can transmit on it using your phone. Um, so if, uh, if I'm away from home and I want to transmit to a friend of mine here in town, uh, I can use Echolink. I can log into the local repeater with it, transmit using my phone, and it will broadcast out via the repeater. Uh, so it's, it's handy to have, but you do need to have your, your ham radio uh, ID. You do need to send them proof that you are uh, the holder of that certificate. And um, when I signed up, you had to be vetted by a current ham on the system uh, in order to be able to gain access to it. Because they obviously don't want just Joe Blow signing up to it and starting to broadcast using it because you're not licensed. And people are jerks. People are jerks, yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, the other one I want to mention, too, is just it's kind of like a semi-related app, but scanner radio. Uh, if you don't have a license and you just want to listen in on certain things, you can actually listen to various frequencies. Sometimes they're just EMS. Sometimes they're actually like yeah. ham radio it's a kind of a neat little app to play with. Um, that's pretty much all I had. I think we covered the other ones. Um, yeah. I had a question for you. So on antenna placement again, so I, one thing that most people don't realize is if they get like a handheld UV5R and they go for a drive and they have a, another ham radio operator in another truck and they want to talk back and forth, it basically doesn't work because you're, you know, your truck acts as a Faraday cage. Yep. And kind you're of in a big metal box. Yeah, <laughs> it's not going to work that much. <laughs> nope. So you want to have an external antenna. Am I, yep. am I correct on that? You do, yeah, absolutely. Um, so for for my truck, I've got um, a TYT eighty nine hundred. So that's like a base station. It's it stays. It's permanently installed in the truck. It's not going anywhere unless somebody decides to break into my truck and steal it. Um, so I've got um, it's a little Comet um, fender adapter. So it bolts onto my truck and then it just clears the hood. So it sticks up along the edge of the, the line there from where the hood would pop up. And then I can mount my antenna on there. Um, if you're running a Baofeng, uh, just a little handheld, you can get um, a Nagoya, a Nagoya uh, was it a UT-102, if I remember correctly. And it's a little mag mount antenna that you can just put on the roof of your vehicle. And then you can it'll screw into the Baofeng radio and then gets the antenna outside of that metal box. And you can start transmitting again. Well, that's very key. So people, you don't need to like, a hole in the roof of your truck for one nope. <laughs> you'll go through nope. the firewall no problem and, and out into the hood um which yeah is i i drilled no holes to install the antenna in my truck everything power everything is all run through the firewall um the only thing i did was screw in the the mount uh, bracket uh, so that was a couple of holes but oh yeah. well and i think this comes into play with the bug out episode for a lot of people that are planning on not using their ham radio until the emergency and they want to run a convoy with their they're in, they're yep. in one vehicle their wife's in another and they want to use the ham radios in case of emergency and they all of a sudden they realize they can't talk to each other it's the yep. wrong wrong time to find out right it certainly is yep <laughs> um so yeah on that note with the vehicle stuff uh as far as personal advice or opinion um should you be advertising your ham radio on your vehicle like with a uh personalized license plate that shows yep. your call sign or do you want to like say i'm monitoring 14652 on the back like i've seen in, in the local area here <laughs> or uh, yep. stuff like that yeah i have seen uh i've seen all kinds of everything for advertising i've seen the custom plates um i've seen big 
white lettering across the back of vehicles with their with their call ID. Um, some operators go out and they do contests. So they really like to advertise what their ID is. So everybody knows their ham operator. Everybody knows what their ID is. Um, and, you know, that's great. That's fine if, uh, if that's your thing and you're into in, into the... Uh, the hobby and uh, you're in the contesting and, and you want everybody to know your ID, have at it. Um, just keep in mind uh, for our whole gray man scenario. Is it fun to be driving around and you see another uh, ham radio ID drive by you and you can see their plate and you call out in the rate on the radio. Hey, whatever your ID, I just saw you drive by on the highway. Hello, what's going on? Yeah, it's fun. Sure. And well, times are good. Yeah, no big deal, but it also makes you stand out. It's a unique plate. It's not just the random one that was assigned to you, right? So yeah. build it into your Green Man system. Yeah. So uh, as far as listing watches goes, so there's emergency frequencies for aviation, for nautical, for like even CB has an emergency frequency. Yep. Uh, so they, they mentioned this 146.52 is kind of an emergency one. Is there just like a standard hailing frequency for ham radio on the VHF or UHF? Yeah, the, I've heard the 146.52 before. Um, some guys will put it in their radio and just monitor it. So if they're sitting down and they're doing contesting or they're, they're running contacts or they're just chit-chatting, they'll have that on the background. Um, and if somebody happens to broadcast on it, well, they'll pick up and run with it. A lot of the operators will just flip the radio on in the morning and have it on in their house. And if, uh, if you know what the local 2-meter or 70-centimeter frequencies are and you can hop on and say, hey, I need help, There'll be somebody listening for the most part. But uh, I have heard of the 146.52. It's not something that's overly popular here that I know of, uh, but some guys will have it in the radio just in case. Okay, cool. Yeah. Uh, other than the vehicle now, so the other option, if you don't, have a, if you don't want to use a handheld, there's a base station idea. Yep. So most of these radios are running on either battery packs or 12-volt systems or whatever. So if you want to run into your house, how do you run the power source for that? Yeah, so that's the one thing that threw me off when that... Uh, when I first got uh, got into this and I bought my first base station, uh, I'm thinking, great, it's going to show up. I'm going to have that little plug on the end. I'll plug it into the wall and away I go, right? <laughs> no, it shows up with two cables, no end. And I'm thinking, hmm, <laughs> now what? So you do need to get a 13.8-volt uh, DC power supply. Um, so you can spend hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of dollars on these or you can grab one on Amazon for about 30 bucks. It, it all depends on kind of where you want to start. I started out with the Amazon one. Uh, it's done me well. I've had it a couple of years now. It's powered a couple of my radios without issue. Uh, when I went out and got um, my my Kenwood uh, HF rig, uh, I was not powering that on a $30 uh, Amazon power supply. I, I bought a proper Kenwood power supply for that one. Um, do I, do I trust the, What's that? In quality of the filtering of the of the power, yeah. like a cleaner sine wave with the uh, with a better power supply rate than a thirty dollar yeah. sound special. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and the 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 base stations I, I run for for my two meter and seventy centimeter, you know, they run anywhere from one hundred and fifty to about three hundred and fifty bucks. Does it hurt if I blow up the three hundred dollar one? Yeah, it does. Uh, but my my Kenwood HF one is is close to nine hundred bucks. I'm, I'm not I'm not blowing that up on a thirty dollar power source. So I, I got the, the matching Kenwood power supply for it, and it puts out thirteen point eight as well. But uh, but like you said, Alan, it's it's cleaner and it's it's uh, more properly built or more well built and more reliable. I would say. What's um, what's the aftermarket like on these things? Is are, are there people that have you know? Is there a swap meet? Is there a Facebook page? Is there does does the 
used market exist? It sure does. That's actually where I got my Kenwood from. Um, there was uh, an operator who was just done with uh, with operating. He wasn't uh, wasn't going to be doing it anymore, and he was looking to sell. Um, so he had this radio, and I happened to see him post it on. It was on Stars, which is an Ontario-based um, trading website. So I just chatted with him. And said, "Yeah, I'm I'm interested in getting into it." So gave me the details, and the details were good, and it was a good deal. So I said, "Yep." Yeah done and uh and he shipped it to me it all was good uh there is also um canadian amateur radio uh swap on facebook uh so if you're uh, if you're on facebook you can hop on that uh they do ask you to validate uh your call id first before they let you in so they will validate that you are actually an operator uh, and then that gives them kind of a way to track if something does go wrong with the sale or something like that but also just validates the fact that you are somebody that is able to be in possession of these things in the first place and uh, yeah, I've seen all kinds. I've actually sold a lot of radios on that, so that's uh, that's a good spot to check out too. And there's all kinds of good deals to be had on there. If you are in the used market for like a more of a base station, is there any sort of like wear items on these radios, like transistors that wear out at yep. the time or anything? Or yep, the transistors. There's all kinds of different bits and pieces in the radio. Okay. It depends on what you're looking at. Um, but yeah, they're they're like any piece of electronics. They are going to wear over time. Okay. Um, so that's yeah, it's. It's well, a gamble at times. A lot of them, though, uh, for example, this Kenwood radio that I have, um, if something was the break in it, I can still ship it to Kenwood, and Kenwood would repair it. There would probably be some form of fee for it. Some parts okay. are still warrantied for life on the device. Some you'd have to pay for, but uh, they do still have um, uh, shops that will fix them up for you if need be. Or okay. if you have the knowledge, you can pull the, uh, the parts off and put them on yourself. You can source the parts online. Um, or if you don't have the knowledge, somebody in your local radio club absolutely will. Or gotcha. if you, you've got the basic knowledge but not the comfort doing it, somebody in your local club will, will certainly have the, the ability to help you out. And I've, I've found the local club, at least here, or anybody else I've talked to with, with their local clubs are always more than welcome to have people contact them because uh, you need people to have a club, right? So, well, I think if you're using the dirty old power supply from Amazon, you probably want to have the spare fuses that are, whatever, there's an inline fuse on the power Oh, well, yeah. you probably get one of the fair ones of those for sure. Yeah, knock on wood, I haven't had one blow yet, but I'm waiting. Cool. Uh, last yeah. question I had was packet and satellite radio. Uh, uh, can you explain those at all? Oh, yeah. So uh, I've just started, um, actually just before the winter, playing around with packet. Um, so that's over HF. Uh, basically, rewind the internet to uh, when it first started with uh, 9600 bond modems. Uh, so you can send things over... Uh, the frequencies so you can send pictures uh, that's basically all I've seen right now but I know you can send other things as well uh, but it's it's just like when the internet first started so it's like first three lines wait the next line loads wait the next line loads wait so it's going to take you 15-20 minutes to get a picture um, so you know go back to your teenage years and uh, you're just waiting for that picture to load so, so it's like the three days yeah. to get the Napster song yeah Exactly. Yeah, that's exactly it. But it, it, it is a form of sending things. Um, you can also, I've seen um, some of the operators are into um, uh, like television, uh, so they can send certain uh, television frequencies via ham frequencies. So that's kind of neat. I, I had one operator offer to start sending me uh, some signals to play around with it. I just ran out of time and wasn't able to, to do it. But that's something else. It, it's slow. It's cumbersome. But data can be sent. Uh, you can also send email. Um, so if uh, there's an email system on it, so you can do that too. So yeah, it's kind of neat. 
And so the other one I just didn't realize this until recently is that there occasionally, I guess it gets overwhelmed pretty fast, but there actually are satellites passing overhead that you can bounce your VHF signals off and uh, use as a, as a high altitude re, uh, repeater. Oh, but cool. I guess it gets I really busy really fast when it's pass, passing overhead. So I guess so. It's a, it's a thing. I mean, it's it's yeah. like if you if you live on the prairies, you want to like try uh, experimenting with really increasing your range with VHF or UHF versus just plain old HF. Yeah. Um, that is a thing, but I've never obviously tried it myself, but very interested to give it a try when it oh, comes. That would be fun. And you can talk to the uh, the International Space Station too if it's overhead. Um, if you if you time it just right, they do have a, a ham station on there that you can chat with. I've heard of a couple operators making contact with them, so that's kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's pretty much it. That's all I had. Yeah. Oh, uh, we do it. have radioreference.com uh, for our website. That yeah. is actually a good way to look up uh, a lot of frequencies to uh, that actually will show up on your UV five R or whatever, whether it be just radio. Uh, weather stations or you know local repeaters or whatever it's it's yep. a good uh, resource but also the satellite bounce uh website there well uh, it's in there as well yeah and the the forum on radio reference is full of awesome information too so if you have a question there's probably an answer in there for you but uh, it's a great spot to start out to, to kind of see what other frequencies are around you there's a tab that I, I missed for the longest time using radio reference that actually says amateur radio and it'll give you all the repeater information in there as well for your area. So, Cool. Yeah. Oh, podcast challenge time? I think we'll move on to the podcast challenge, yeah. All right, so this time we're serious. Uh, <laughs> get your basic or your advanced, if you've already got your basic, amateur radio license by the end of the year. That's a hard challenge for everybody. So uh, it's time for everybody to move up a level, myself included. So uh, I, I think I actually gave myself till the end of March, I think it was, and then life happened. And yep. that that New Year's revolution fell, fell apart. So, uh, end of the year. That's my new thing. And if anyone's interested, I am I am toying with the, fa- the idea of doing a a core like recording a pre-recorded course, and then just making it available. So, uh, if that's something you're interested in, flip me a flip me an email. And let me know. And if I'm I know interested. there's enough enough interest yeah. for it, I'll start recording. Do I have to email you? Or can I just tell you now? No, I know you guys are <laughs> interested. <laughs> <laughs> I've got so, yeah. all the materials and everything to to run a course. Um, I've just been playing with that idea for, for a little while now. So if there's some interest, flip an email on the feedback at prepperpodcast.ca and let me know. And if I know there's enough people out there, maybe I'll put one together. And yeah, if you have any tactical tactical use questions, I'm sure Eric will gladly handle those as well for Hammer Radio. Absolutely. Uh, but yeah, I think just everybody needs to kind of get that up because I'm also kind of worried that as the generations change out uh, and we have the, the internet generation com- coming into play, and less and less people get their ham radio license, I'm worried a lot of these frequency bands might go away because of lack of use. Yeah. So I'd like to see more people get their license just to at least yeah. maintain what we have because we're always losing our freedoms and, and little tidbits out there, so it'd be nice to maintain this one at least. Oh, and here's a good uh, a good one from uh, Steve in the, the live chat here just saying that uh, a local gal here has a podcast with all the questions read out. So if you're uh, an audio-type learner, throw that on and that'd be good well, that's fantastic Steve yeah, you, actually, you know what that podcast is yeah, yeah just if you can uh, quickly uh, put the podcast name up on the uh, show notes or on the uh, comments that'd be great we'll stay online at least uh, long enough for that to happen so um, anyways uh, I guess move up to upcoming events yeah uh, the only one on our radar so far and it's uh Hopefully, it's still going to happen. Is TACCOM 2020? Uh, that's going to happen September 11th to 13th, all being well. The Canadian Pro Gun Podcasters Network will be in attendance. Your favorite podcasters and us will be on hand throughout the show. So make sure you stop by the booth, meet everybody that you love to hear, and pick up some swag. Find details in the show notes. Uh, 
and there's a ticket link there as well. If you uh, wouldn't mind buying your tickets through that, it helps us a little bit. Uh, and we've got a link on the website too at prepperpodcast.ca. It's over on the right-hand side. Uh, so if you don't want to dig through the show notes, you can just click that link and it'll take you over and you can buy your tickets. The more, the more, tickets, we, the more tickets we buy now, the more likely the show is to happen. Yep. And the more likely it is we're going to have internet while there. Even better. <laughs> all right. We'll move into some shout outs. Uh, my only shout out this week is for all the viewers in the live chat, keeping us on our shows while we're live. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Uh, keep That's asking. Awesome. That's coming. We absolutely love it. Um, I learned, I think, about three episodes ago that I can actually see those live comments instead of waiting for one of the hosts to, uh, <laughs> to put it up. So uh, I appreciate that. Uh, keep it up. And uh, if you've got anything to anything to add please do uh we absolutely love it we are um we're all fairly knowledgeable but we're by no means we by no means have all the information so uh thanks a lot guys appreciate it all right for myself it's a quick shout out uh, a little bit dated from the beginning of april uh but uh shout out to tom he's our first patreon so uh your dollar a month is going to go to uh helping to pay the bills here and, and keep the lights on so appreciate it Ian seems to have dropped off, but he wanted to give a shout out to uh, Better Ian and Pete for help with the shearing, Dave. So they're, if you guys are listening, Ian says thanks, and uh, he just is having some computer troubles. Oh, he's back. I'm back. Hey. Just shout outs for you, Ian. Yeah, no worries. Actually, quick question. I got to get a hold of Fred this week from uh, TACOM to see if it's still a go for for sure, and I want to get him on here for an episode probably in the next month or so, so that might be a thing too. I see we got the uh, the link to the uh, podcast, so that's good. Yep, um, Steve, so thank you very much for that. And that's, uh, so that's uh, so uh, for the advanced, apparently. So Okay. So that's good. Basically, and like, there'll be a link fairly. for the basic there as well. So that's good to know that there's one for the advanced because uh, I want to start studying for that. So. Nice. Cool. Perfect. So uh, I'll put no, that in the right. show notes too for anybody that wants it. Cool. Uh, for my shout outs, I just wanted to mention a uh, shout out to uh, Better Ian and Pete for the help during the sharing day. That was awesome. Uh, as usual, they showed up without uh, any hesitation and uh, helped me out when I needed it. So, Awesome. All right. So that's, uh, any shout outs for you, Tyler? Nope, nothing this week. Right. <clears throat> well, let's move into uh, email and iTunes reviews then. So we are up to 54 five stars. We have uh, five four stars, two three stars, one two star, and that one one star keeping us honest as per usual. And uh, the inbox has been empty besides the uh, the job applications, which are oddly sent in Excel format. I don't know why. Uh, <laughs> sorry, I haven't opened them yet. I don't want don't, your crypto. So. Don't question it. Just click no. on the link, Eric. No, no, no. <laughs> as much as I like my, my computer being crypto locked, it's just not going to happen. That's right. I bought one thing off Wish.com mistakenly for this week, and of course my credit card got compromised. So no, <laughs> I, I was dumb enough to do that once. So I was like, oh, <laughs> really? Oh, you know, you got to test it once, right? Yeah. Well, and we've got a we got the link here from Steve for the basic as well. So I'll put that up here in the the video, but I'll, I'll also throw it in the the show notes, and you'll have it. Cool. So appreciate that, Steve. Thanks. All right, so anybody else have email or anything they want to go over? That's all I had. I have received no emails. I know messages on my Instagram. I'm feeling rather lonely. We'll have to fix that. You'll have to get your ham license first and you can answer questions. (laughs) 
All right. So with that, I, uh, I'll bring episode number 69, and I'm impressed there have been no jokes about that all episode uh, of the Canadian Pepper podcast to an end. Uh, you can find the podcast. You can find the podcast on iTunes, Podbean, Spotify, or of course your favorite podcast app. Uh, please help us out. Take a second and uh, submit a review. It does help other people find us. We record these shows live on Facebook and YouTube. If you want to really peek at the shows, please subscribe to our YouTube channel, Canadian Prepper Podcast. Click the notifications tab. That gives you an alert when we are going live. If you want to get me directly, and please do. I love I love talking with people. Uh, you can find me directly on Instagram at PPSWO or Alan with one L at PrepperPodcast.ca. And if you got any questions or advice for me, uh, you can email me at Tyler at PrepperPodcast.ca. All right, you can reach Ian directly by emailing me at theislandretreat at gmail.com. And you can also find me on Canadian Patriot Podcast on iTunes and YouTube. We record uh, Monday nights at uh, 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. There you can find me discussing why excess government has made me want to self-isolate even more. Awesome. And you can uh, check out Rapid Survival at uh, rapidsurvival.com. You get me there on the live chat uh, while buying some prepper gear. And you can also email me at uh, feedback at prepperpodcast.ca. And uh, so thanks for joining us this evening. And until next time, uh, be prepared, stay safe, and keep learning. Mm-hmm.